If you have your note-taking sheet, I want you to get it out. If you have your Bible, I want you to get it out and I want you to turn to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, John. So find Luke chapter five. Uh, we're not gonna get to it right away, but we'll be there in just, uh, just a moment. <clears throat> so last week we began this series by asking these really important questions that humanity has asked literally for thousands of years. And while you may not have asked specifically or directly these questions, I can almost guarantee there have been moments in your life when you've wrestled with things like, who am I? And why am I here? And what is life all about? And where did I come from, right? These deeper questions of, of origin and purpose and, and meaning. And by the way, if you wanna catch up on that, I'd really encourage you to go online uh, to our website, to our app, or you can just go on YouTube and find the message from last week and watch it. I think, I think it'd be worth getting up to speed on that. A lot of what we saw in the video was contained in part of that. But then we kind of looked beyond those questions to maybe more personal and deeper follow-up questions. Not just like, where did I come from and who am I, but the who am I becoming? So when I begin to see who I am, especially in Christ, the spiritual side of this, the question is, but, but who am I becoming and, and where am I, am I going? And I gave the challenge last week for all of us to really take a deep dive into our own heart to do some inventory of what's really going on in us. There, there was a, a wise philosopher who once said an unexamined life is, is a life not worth living. And that may be a little extreme, but it's the reality that oftentimes we just keep going ahead and we never stop to go, whoa, hold on. What's going on here? What are, what are my motivations? What are my heart? Where are those, those things that I, I just can't, I don't, I don't know what to do with. King David in Psalm 139 had this whole thing about where we come from. And then at the end of that, he said, oh Lord, but examine my heart and see if there's anything in me that is just off and lead me in the way everlasting. So it was this look into his own heart and sometimes we don't do that. And last week I challenged you to do it, to actually you know, figure out here's where I came from. We know kind of the origin and creation and we know that there's an eternity someday. So what do I do with this? If I know those two things, what should I do today? What does life look like today? And it really comes down to, and you're gonna hear this all through this series, it's life in Jesus. And am I living in a way that, that draws me closer to him, to trust in him, or am I living in a way that continues to, to pull and to say, I'm gonna manage this on my own, and we retreat or pull away from Christ? What did life look like 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago, one month ago? That's why when we talk about our mission here, you know, this one step closer to Jesus, that's not like a giant leap. It could be just that, that millimeter, that there's something that Christ is doing in me that continues to lead me and inviting me in closer to him. And so today we're gonna process through some of this to gain maybe a, a deeper understanding of some of these questions. And, and remember, in order for us to become who God designed us to be, it, it is, again, is bringing us all back to Jesus. And so in this series, all that we're gonna look at is, is going to be becoming like him. 
So we're gonna look at him to be our model. So what does it look like to love like Jesus or care like Jesus or be compassionate like Jesus? What, is, what does it look like to be generous like Jesus, to be wise like Jesus? You know, these kinds of things we're gonna dive into. And today we're going to look at what it looks like to surrender like Jesus, which I'm just gonna tell you up front, it's challenging. And we all wrestle with this at some level. So before we dive into that though, we're gonna do a little bit of a test now some of you are going, oh great. I came to church and now I have to take a test. Yes, you have to take a test. And it's, it's full participation, we're all in on this. And it's gonna be fairly simple. So I'm gonna give you some hand signs and they will be appropriate. I know there's some that are not, but I'm gonna give you some hand signs and I want you to just tell me what they mean or what they stand for, okay? So we're gonna start easy. What is it? Yeah, great, good. You're way better than first service. They were going thumbs up. It's like, no, that's what it is. But what does it mean? So I heard someone here give me the answer. So I have a $100 Texas Roadhouse card. No, I actually don't. That was just a joke. <laughs> Suddenly though, you got very interested in the test. It's like, oh, are we doing that for everyone? All right, so thumbs up means good, right? Thumbs down means, means not good. How about this? Peace, right? It also means something else, anyone know? Victory, victory, all right. How about this? Time out, right? How about this? You said it just right. Uh, if you're into basketball, when they do this, what does that mean? Three-pointer, all right, some of you got that. How about this? Yeah. And 49ers are gonna seal and get a lot of these today, right? At some point you knew that was gonna come into the message, right? I designed all of this around that. How about this? I give up, right? It's, do you know this, this literally is the international sign of surrender? I'm not gonna ask you to respond to this like with a personal story, but some of you I know have had encounters with law enforcement and you've, you've actually done this. And, and what you're saying is, I'm not gonna give you any trouble, I'm not gonna resist. I, hey, I, I, I give up, I, I, I surrender. International sign. Now it's also interestingly enough, and this is just a little aside, uh, sometimes during worship, you'll see people raise their hands. And there's two reasons, really, what, what our raising of hands in worship means. One is it's just kind of a celebration. If you go just to any concert, right, you'll see people raise their hand. Woo, yeah. It's this kind of, yay, I love that I'm here. I love what you're doing. And it's kind of that, that affirmation of that. And worship can definitely include this celebration of God. But, but raising our hands is also this sign to God in worship of God, it's, it's all you, I'm, I'm yours. It's a sign of, of, of letting go of resistance against God and instead surrendering to him. So today we're gonna dive into this place of to be more like Jesus, what does it mean to surrender like him? 
And here's the big idea. <clears throat> this isn't on your sheet, but just even to process through. But a surrendered life is an obedient life. A surrendered life is an obedient life. Now, what does it mean to surrender? Well, the definition is literally this, to stop resisting and submit to someone else's authority, to give up or to yield to the power of another. And the truth is, is that we do that. We, we kind of give up or surrender or, or submit to a lot of things in life. Because at first, when we hear the word surrender, there's this part of us that kind of wrestles with it a little bit. It's like, ugh, that means I give up. That means that I'm not in control. But there's all kinds of things that we do that with. If, 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 you, uh, if you have a family, there are things that you've surrendered personally, things that you've given up for the health and the benefit of your family, Right? If you are in a marriage, there are things that you have surrendered and given up. And I will even say this, maybe some of them you are a little like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll let you have your way and I'll give that up. But there's a lot of things that, that we give up voluntarily and more than voluntarily, willingly and lovingly. So why would we give up what I want and what I desire? Because we desire something greater and something more that happens in marriage and family and in different things like that. So there's that part that we, we, we kind of understand, but yet when it comes to God, we feel like God's like pounding his fist saying, you will obey me and you will surrender and do that. And we're, you know, kind of, we're fighting back a little bit, trying to kind of be ourselves and regain our own identity. And somehow we've missed God's heart in all this, that he's not trying to rob you of anything. He's trying to give you what you truly desire. Jesus said, he, he said, I've come to bring you life and life to the fullest. Not just like getting by kind of life, not just like, well, I just kind of go through the motions kind of life, but truly epic life. God has more than you can even imagine. And he said, will you give up your way of trying to control and manage and instead trust me? Will you trust me? Now, you may hear some of this today and go, Dave, are you saying like if, if I'm wrestling with that, that, that maybe I don't even know God? And I would tell you, not necessarily. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. Because I think there are places in all of us that we are still holding tight to. And Jesus is inviting us to a place to, to let go, to yield yourself and to find him. Here's what Paul wrote in Romans 10. He said, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. See, there, there's not a thing in there. It's like, once you have this whole surrender submission thing down, then you become my follower. No, we, we become a part of God's family. We are saved, we are rescued when we put our faith and our belief in Jesus. And by the way, when it says, believe in your heart that God raised him, that's not just a, oh yeah, I believe there was a Jesus. I believe that he was actually crucified. It's not this intellectual exercise that we go through. It is much deeper than that. It is an all in, my heart, my soul, my everything stands behind this belief. And when we enter in fully into that, he says, you are, you are saved. You are saved. Now, 
You may have even asked this question before, saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from selfishness. Saved from living an eternity forever separated from God. See, we don't often hear this much anymore, but God has made heaven and there is a hell. And people sometimes wrestle with that. It's like, well, if God is loving, why would he be sending all you know, people to hell that uh, don't believe him? Understand, here's what God desires. He desires restored relationship with every single human being. But sin, our pull away from God, separates us. And there's nothing we can do to earn that back. Like we, we've talked about this several times. We don't have the currency to pay that price because the wages, the price for sin is death. That's why he sent his son. He loved us enough to send Jesus to the cross to pay the price once and for all. And if we'll believe in Jesus, put our faith in Jesus, that that relationship is restored and we're invited into God's family. So you may be going like, well, then what is hell about? Hell is separation from God. And it's when we go, you know what? Maybe not we, hopefully not we, but when people say, I'm gonna do it on my own. I don't need God, I don't want God. I'm gonna be my own God. I'm gonna figure this out on my own. I'm gonna do this. And so we reject God's gift. And God, I believe, with a heavy broken heart says, my desire is relationship. But since you don't want me, I will ultimately give you what you desire to be separate from me. And that separate is this place that God designed for Satan and his followers. It wasn't designed for us, but we choose to rebel against God. And when he came to be our savior, our rescuer, it was to make a way to be saved and rescued out of that, to have eternity with God. That's what he's made for us. So when you hear this message today about surrendering or not surrendering, it could be that you've never actually put your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered that part. But it could also be that there are specific areas in your life that you keep holding on to. And my guess is you already know what some of those things are. It's those areas of wrestling for you that you're just not sure you wanna trust God with that. You're just not sure you wanna let that go. And I gotta tell you, just even kind of putting this message and doing those things together, there were some gulp moments for me as I processed through that. Because here's the big question. Is Jesus your savior and rescuer? And maybe we'd say, yes, absolutely. Is he your Lord and your leader? Two very different things. Two very different things. I gave my life to Jesus and I was saved when I was 12 years old. Maybe that's your story. But have you surrendered your will and your way to him, to submit to him, regardless of what you want and what you've decided to say, I'm yours, God. That's a very different thing. And so as I was wrestling through this, there are those, again, gulp moments. Do you ever have a gulp moment when you hear something or read something and you go, oh, wow, that's me. And I had some of those. Maybe you're having one of those right now. 
And it's when God begins to lovingly reveal and expose some things. He's done that in me, did that in me this week. Things that I've just kind of held on to, a little bit out of the way and under the surface. And he says, will you trust me with that? And you know what it leads me to? It leads me to confessing those to him. God, I've been holding this back from you. I've been trying to navigate and manage that all on my own. And so I confess and then I repent. I turn and say, but I'm gonna put this in your hands, God. I'm gonna trust you in this. And that's what he's inviting us into. So what does it look like to live a surrendered life? Moving from just up here in my head that I've been saved to this heart and soul that I am living in this place of surrender to him. What does that look like? Because giving our life to Jesus is not a one and done deal. We, we can't just you know, say, oh, he's my, my savior and then just keep walking the same road that we've been walking all along. Jesus brings change and transformation, an ongoing progressive act of daily surrender. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Listen to this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus becomes our model for this. He becomes the one we look at and go, Jesus, I wanna be like you, so continue to do your work in me. Will I trust him? Will I follow him? Will I surrender my will, my will, my control into his loving hands? So I'm gonna give you three things today and I want you to write these down. Three things, like a three-point basketball. See, you guys didn't even catch that one. I was giving it to you. Here's the first one. Becoming like Jesus begins with my surrender. It begins with my surrender. There was this uh, author, uh, Catherine Walden, and she wrote this about surrender. I'm just gonna give you a little piece. Uh, She said, our lack of full surrender limits God's ability to both work in our lives and through our lives. And here's the part I want you to hear. God's call to surrender is not an intimidating, angry bark from the other side of a battlefield. God's invitation to surrender is expressed through the example of his son, Jesus. He's the example. Jesus willingly took on human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death on a cross. And I have to believe that since he was fully human and he was fully God, that that human side was was challenged when it came to the ultimate sacrifice, right? If you go back and you look, Jesus was crucified. Crucifixion wasn't this brand new thing. The Romans didn't invent it going, hmm, what can we really do to Jesus? It was something that they had done for centuries. And as weird as this sounds to us today, the Romans had perfected the craft and the science of crucifixion for ultimate pain, for ultimate punishment, and for the most excruciating death. And they were good at it. And there's probably little doubt that Jesus had seen people 
who hung on a cross. He had seen the torture. He had seen the pain. And so it's kind of no wonder that on the night that he was arrested, he went alone into the garden and he struggled with this surrender. That was the humanity part of him saying, I don't want to do that. I've seen that. I know the pain that's ahead down that road. And so here's what he says in Luke 22. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. It's Jesus really saying, Father, if there's another way, let's do it. Because I am not, I am not looking forward to that. But then listen to what he says. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. God, I, I don't wanna walk down that road. But more than that, I want your will, not mine. Because you can see what I can't see and you know what I can't know and you understand what I will never be able to understand. And you are good and you are kind and you are loving and you are grace-filled. And so God, even in the midst of pain or struggle or, or lack of understanding, I'm gonna trust you and your way above my own. You already know this, but there will be lots of times in your life when surrendering certain things will be painful and stretching. You may struggle with surrendering your marriage because you can't control the other person or the outcome. You may struggle surrendering your kids because you want what's best for them. And can I tell you something? God wants that even more. You may struggle with surrendering addiction because you know the struggle it's gonna be to move past that. You may struggle surrendering your resources because of this fear that maybe I won't have enough and, and maybe I'll be lacking or surrendering your future because it's unknown. That's just a few things. But what's more important is think of the things in your life that you wanna hold on to. I mean, that you just don't feel you can trust anyone with, even God. Those are the places that he's inviting you to trust him. Those are the places when he's saying, you know who I am, or you can know who I am, and I've got you in this. Remember last week we said that life is not static. We are always in motion. There's always movement happening, whether it's kind of regressing or progressing. And Jesus is inviting us to become like him, and it begins with surrender. The second thing is this, becoming like Jesus demands my obedience. So I'm gonna say, maybe what you've thought but you couldn't really say. Sometimes using Jesus as an example is hard. Because here's what we do. We go, well, like Jesus surrendered to go to the cross. Well, yeah, he can do it because, hello, he's Jesus. You know, of course he can manage that. Of course he can do it, which I don't think is quite that simple, but that's kind of what we do. So what if we looked at someone who wasn't Jesus? and looked at their process through this. So I want us to look at Peter. And so if you're in Luke chapter five, we're gonna dive into his life. And I know some of you who know the Bible, who know Peter are thinking, Dave, really, Peter? I mean, this guy was, he was a mess. 
Exactly, that's why we're using him. He's the best example for us. Because whether you wanna realize it or not, I'll just tell you straight up, you're a mess, right? We're trying to figure things out and do things. So we look at Peter and go, man, he does things and says things and acts in ways that, that I would probably do. So we're gonna look at his life. Just this one little vignette. So Luke chapter five, here's what's happening. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, his owner, to push it out into the water and he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now, by the way, it's Simon Peter, so we're talking about Peter here. He he turns to him and says, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And here's what he says. Master, Simon Peter replies, "Um, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. I'm gonna pause you there just for a moment. Does anyone know what Jesus did uh, vocationally before he kind of began his ministry and teaching? Anyone know? Carpenter. Okay, so he was, uh, the Greek word is tekton, so he was involved in some kind of construction type thing. We, we easily go to carpenter. He could have been a stone cutter. It could have been anywhere else. But he worked with his hands. It was hard work. He wasn't a fisherman. So here's Peter. Guess what Peter is? He's a professional fisherman. And I don't think Peter was rude or anything like that, but here's what we would do. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm sure you're a really good carpenter. You don't fish. So we don't fish during the day. You notice that that's when we wrap everything. We fish all night. That's when the fish come into the nets. It's like he could have given Jesus this whole lesson on how to really fish and how to make it profitable. But he's saying, listen, Jesus. And he doesn't even say Jesus. He says, master, We've done this all night long and we didn't catch anything. And here's the key phrase, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now it seems like this this kind of cool little story and all that happens, but you realize what just happened? Jesus is asking Peter to surrender his pride, his disbelief, his ego, all of those things, and he's asking for Peter's obedience because once again, Jesus is telling Peter, here's what I want you to do, and Peter is kind of like, ah, but, but, but we, we know what we're doing. We've already done that. He says, but because you say so, because you say so, I'll do it. That's surrender. And, and what is the ulti- you know, what's the result of that? A load of fish that they've never even caught before. They've, they've never seen anything like that before because Jesus knows what you can't know and Jesus understands what you can't understand and Jesus sees what you can't see. And he's saying, will you surrender and will you trust me in this? When was the last time God asks you to surrender something, maybe that, that area that you've been holding on to and you didn't want to. I don't want to make peace with that family member. I don't want to say sorry to my spouse. I don't want to submit to my, to my boss. What if we surrendered like Peter? 
Okay, Jesus, I'll do it. I'll push my pride aside. I'll surrender to you. I'll submit to your will. And look what Peter realized after he witnessed this amazing miracle. In verse eight, it says, when Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please, and here's what's crazy, leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Here's what's interesting. When Jesus first says, go out and do this, he says, master, we've been fishing all night. That word, master, is like master, teacher, instructor. It had those things. It's like, you're instructing me and I recognize your role as a rabbi and a teacher, but we kind of know what we're doing here. At the end, he doesn't say master. What's the word he uses? Lord. There's something more in Jesus. There's something more. Peter realized he was a great teacher, but he also had divine authority. And Peter was surrendering to this, not just a savior, but to the Lord. And Jesus is inviting you and I to do the same thing, to surrender to him. The last thing is this, and I'll leave it with you. It's a question. Will I surrender all? Will I surrender all? It's great to know all these things, right? We're really good. Let's gather more information. But the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with those things that you have held on to with clenched fists in your life? Saying, I believe in God. I believe he's saved me. But I got I, I to gotta keep on this one. I got to hold this one. I got to manage this one. What are you going to do with that? That's the question. Will I surrender? Jesus said this in Matthew 16. He said, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to be my follower, give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And we keep thinking how much we're losing And we don't take the time to think about how much we're gaining in Christ. If you grew up in church, you may remember the words to this old hymn, I Surrender All. The words read like this, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. And the chorus went, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Can you, like, really take hold of what that song is saying? Like, can that be your song? Can that be your anthem? Whether you know the the actual song or not, can that be the anthem of your life? To say, I'm not gonna fight you anymore on this. I'm not gonna wrestle for control. But Jesus, I'm going to surrender to you. And maybe through this time this morning, there have been those things that have come up and this is a moment for you to just stop and consider. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me right now. What would your life look like if you were truly willing to take a step of surrender?
I mean fully, over to Jesus? Would you experience peace? Restored relationship? Seeing, seeing shame begin to dissipate? I mean, what, what does God have in store for you when you stop fighting him? I'm telling you, he's got more for you than you can imagine. And for some of you, maybe the first step is that step of saying, I, I put my life in your hands. And there's no big process you have to go through. It's just a simple, you just pray. Some of you are going, I, I don't even know how to pray, Dave. Just talk to God. God, I believe in you with my whole life and I put myself in your hands. Forgive me and make me new. It's just as simple as that. But as complex as that as well because it puts you on the road of life in Jesus, of following him, of knowing him. For some of you, again, it's those specific areas bringing those to him and just, God, here they are. So I wanna close us in prayer, but I want you in the midst of that, not just to listen to me, but let your own prayer, let your own connection with God just rise up as you surrender. Father, today we come to you and we're just grateful for your grace and your love. And thank you, Lord, that you're not pounding your fist, demanding, you're inviting us into real life, true life, abundant life, full life in you. And it begins as we surrender to your will and your way. To discover and know who we really are, it comes as we know you. So Jesus, we want you to be more than just our savior and we are grateful for that. But today, we, we make you Lord of our life. And we give it all to you. We thank you. And we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want you to know just a couple things as you, as you head out today. One that myself and our staff team and all that are involved in ministry here are praying for you, praying for you. Because our hope and our desire is that you would begin to follow Jesus like you never have before. That you would surrender and kind of give him full reign in your life. Because when God begins to do that individually, man, everything begins to change. But when, when he begins to do it across across this family, across this church. It's gonna impact your homes and your marriage. It's gonna impact this community and the communities around us because you will be lights shining in dark places. You will be hope coming to a hopeless world. So we are praying for you today. I wanna thank you for coming and worshiping with us and being part of what God is doing here. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget today, some of the things going on in the lobby. And if you'd like to stop by the pregnancy center, see some of the things that are going on, do that between 12 and two today. God bless you. Have a great week. You're dismissed.